the first reading from Genesis has been with us for a few days because that reading of Genesis started with creation. And today, uh, the, the flood is over. It's like, it's like um, a suspense story. The flood is over. People come out of the, out of the ark. And God is saying, okay, everything is here for you. And he gives us all green things that grow, grass, crops, and the animals. And with all of that, the gift of God, don't forget, it's, it's, this is mythology. This is not facts, because no one was there writing this down. This is mythology. What is mythology? Um, it's Christian mythology. It's religious mythology. It's associated with our belief system, but it's not fact. It's what we've come to respect as a way of creation having come about. I read an article last week, as a matter of fact, it was the anniversary of the priest in 1800s who came up with the Big Bang Theory, which is very popular. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a theory about how it all began, how creation began by a constellation of stars hitting each other in the heavens and that's what created um, all the planets and us included. Whether that's fact, I don't know. It's, it's a theory. It's one of the many theories. But so is this, one of the many theories. And this version of the theory of creation is called part of creationism, okay? How God created everything. That's the key. How it was done, we don't know. But when we look around, we realize we're finding God in everything if we have the, the sense and the faith to do so. Now, I'm not saying we're polytheists. I'm not saying we're, we're people who worship trees and water and things like that. No, we, we find the presence of God in everything because as that section of Scripture says, he's telling the people, you can kill everything you have, animals to eat and all that, but you cannot kill each other. You can't kill a person who, the person who kills a person will be condemned because we're all made in the image of God. So that's, that's the bottom line there. It gives us an appreciation of the reverence we have for life, everybody's life. So we can't kill one another. Now, of course, the world doesn't accept that. We know that left and right throughout history, from the time of Jesus to today, regrettably. We have so many mass killings currently, not only in the United States, but in the world. It's, it's, out of, it's out of control. And we realize that as that happens, as people dis, disgrace each other and, and destroy human life for no reason, and there might be reasons to defend oneself, that's a different story, but for no reason destroy human life they're seeking condemnation. They're looking to condemn themselves. But that's one of the biggest things we're fighting, that the reverence for life, all ages, and it still goes on, and we pray for the victims of these mass shootings, and you, you, you're almost stopping to name them because they're familiar names. I'm not going to say them. They're familiar names. Last night, another one in another previous location. So there, there's something in society that has gotten into people to make them anti-God, to make them anti-life. 
And we who follow Jesus want to bring life, not take it away. That's why we're so inundated with the demands of feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and sheltering the homeless. It's our mission. And regrettably, it falls short of the ideal. But that's not unusual because even the time of Jesus, they were, they were looking for Jesus and trying to understand who he was. And he finally turned around and said, well, who, who do people think I am? And they named a whole bunch of possibilities. Oh, you think a prophet, Elijah, this, this. And finally, in faith, and this is the key here, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus, this is Mark's gospel, says, okay, be quiet about it. Mark's gospel has woven into it what we call the secret of, of Jesus, which Jesus doesn't get revealed immediately in the stories of Mark. The revelation comes at the end of the gospel when he's revealed in the words of the centurion, truly this is the Son of God. Okay, so we, we're back here, and they're, they're in Caesarea Philippi, which is a capital area renamed by Caesar, and, and Philip, the Tetrarch, added his name to it. And it's a well-known area in which it was believed that below the area of Caesarea Philippi, right close to the Galilee, there was a huge tunnel. And they believed that tunnel was the mouth opening to the other world. So that's, that's the, the uh, Roman and, and, uh, and um, Israelite mythology. Okay, so, but, so Jesus goes there. Think what he represents. He is the opening to the other world. He is the, the door. He's the, the gate through which we get to God. So it's not ironic that he's there. It's, it's on purpose that he's there. So don't be confused, basically, he's saying. Who do people say I am? I'm giving you who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you to the mouth of heaven, in a sense. He didn't say that, but that's implied. And then when Peter recognizes who he is, he realizes, okay, the word is out. We have found Jesus. They, they have found me as the Christ. That's our task today, too, to keep finding Jesus where he would least be expected to be found. And that's, I want to go right back to death and murder and killing and war. Jesus is not found there, but we can bring Jesus into that by praying for the victims, by praying for the perpetrators, by asking God for peace in the world. And prayer is very important. Even nobody USA, okay, the, the least person in the, in the country, his prayer or her prayer is heard by God. And prayer changes things. And prayer encourages us. We come to church for the prayer, which is the Eucharist. And what is that? The exchange between God and people. And that's, that's what prayer is. So we need God's presence. We have to find Jesus where he's likely not to be found. But that's our job as Christians who believe in the presence of God and who believe that the image of God is in all people. 